This Wellness Couch podcast is brought to you by The Wellness Breakthrough. Three days and two nights with nine of your favourites from The Wellness Couch all gathering together in Melbourne for one incredible event. We can't wait to see you there. Go to www.thewellnesscouch.com for details. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Leah Follett. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. Join us as we share our family's journeys to good health. You'll find plenty of inspiration, tips and recipe ideas as well as stories from everyday people who've struggled and overcome health problems and diet challenges in their own families. I'm Jo Witten, author of the blog and book Quirky Cooking and I'm here with my friend and co-host Leah Follett and tonight we're joined by her husband Mark Follett. Hello guys. G'day, how are you? I'm good. Last time we had Mark on here, you, you are there aren't you Mark? Yeah, hi, Joe. How are you going? <laughs> good. Last time we had Mark on here, <laughs> it's, we uh, had... It's good to be back on the show. Oh, good, because we had some really good feedback from when you were on here last time, so we thought we'd better get you on here more often. <laughs> there was lots of people saying, he was great. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited to be on because I think um, men have a really big role to play on their, in their family wellness and they don't get involved as much. I think they sit on the sidelines and kind of go yes. along with what's happening in the family rather or... than sort of push... Or not go along, as the case may be. <laughs> or, or perhaps not go along, but c- certainly um, it's nice to, to be involved. So It is. Yeah. It's so good because there's. I just find there's not as many men as women trying to change the way people eat and help with health and stuff. It's, it seems to be so many women doing it, but not as many men. So it's so good to have some men out there who are passionate about it as well. Yeah, and I, but I think also the type of um, the type of food that we're eating, we're talking about broths and things. They're very manly sort of foods. They're well, not true. sort of yeah. creative, artistic kitchen foods. They're sorts of things that for, for me, forever. for me, it's something that's really easy to cook. You throw a heap of stuff in a pot and mm. put on the slow cooker setting and go away from it and come back later and it's cooked. You know, that's yeah. the sort of thing that I think men should be able to cook. Yeah, you know, that's, that's right. That's my sort of cooking. It's, you know. it's easier than a barbecue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Mark doesn't do well at a barbecue. We oh. always end up in flames and scorch marks. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have one. We left it in Queensland. We don't have one either. We are not bringing it. Well, actually, we, we got rid of our barbecue because the problem with the barbecue is that it gets all the fats off the meat and burns them off. And what yeah. we're talking about today is, of course, fats. that we need to eat mm. more of those things. That's mm. right. So it's a lot better when it's braised or anyway we'll, we'll talk about get, that yeah, you get your pan drippings then yeah. and you get to you know i stash mine away in the fridge i save everything to the next day and then i use it to start off breakfast yeah definitely so you know growing up actually i should just tell everyone what we're talking about today so yeah. we are going to be talking about changing your diet and things but we're really going to focus on fats different types of fats and identifying the healthy fats from the toxic ones and how they work in the body as an energy source and Mark's going to explain all that kind of stuff, but I'll just quickly mention with fats, you know, these days people are starting to realize that we don't have to be as scared of fat as we used to be. Um, Mm -hmm. That wasn't such a great thing. And I remember growing up, my mum always kept all the fat after she'd cooked, you know, she'd render down fat and she'd always cooked with the traditional sort of fats. And it all went into this little yellow enamel dish with a lid and popped in the cupboard. She always like strained all the bits of 
stuff out of it with a paper towel. The drippings tin. Yeah, the drippings yeah. tin, yeah. My and nana had one of those too. Yeah, and my nana. Did. Yeah, and, and mum always used that. And when I got to the stage where I was off to uni and everything, it was like, no, mum, that's not good for you. You shouldn't be doing that. And, you know, and she's like, no, this is what we've always done. And we used to have these arguments about margarine versus butter. So I've obviously come a full circle now. I'm back to where mum has always been. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, she didn't listen to me too much. But it's just fascinating to me how it's finally coming a full circle and people are realising actually that was the traditional way was best. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But first, I'll just quickly update you on where I am with my diet because I think I haven't really been saying too much about that. We got through the first couple of months and finished mostly finished the intro diet, although there's still a few things that we haven't put back in. This is talking about gaps here. So there's a few things that I wish I could put in, but every time I try, they don't like me. So one of them is ghee. <laughs> I keep thinking, I'll have a little bit and it'll be fine. And I like cook it for two hours and then strain it and then cook it some more and strain it again. And it still doesn't like me. So I get really, really itchy legs. And yeah, but in 12 months time, in 12 months time, you, you, I might, should be fine. you might be able to tolerate that. If it's yeah. something that's coming back for you, then you've got to really persevere with healing. Yeah. And so I had, that's exactly what I was thinking that I'm just obviously not ready for it yet. So I get bad hay fever and I get really itchy legs as in today, my legs were so bad that I was just scratching all day and I get like rashes on them just from usually it's dairy so I figured that it was the ghee um, and then I also had some brie cheese last what? night <laughs> because I just like to push the limits I just like to push the limits and see if anything you know else will happen <laughs> Joe, when you do a challenge you do one no, no, thing no. The, the ghee was already like passed but, <laughs> oh okay um my legs just hadn't got better <laughs> Right, okay. I'm envisaging you dipping brie into ghee. <laughs> well, actually, to tell the truth, there might have been ghee in the crackers. You're right. Anyway, let's not talk about that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just digging a deeper hole. <laughs> I am. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm back to not having that stuff. So, yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> and I'm still getting up the, the um, nerve to try the 24-hour yogurt, but it'll probably work better than ghee anyway because a lot of people say they can handle that whereas they can't handle anything else so sometime I'll try that when my legs are better <laughs> but other than that we're mostly on full gaps we just well actually I'm not sure you have to be on dairy to be on full gaps do you yeah but even I didn't end up on no. full gaps like okay. we are still to this day we're on a modified gap so you can yeah. call it modified paleo or modified well any of those things let's we just call it quirky gaps Let's, yeah. <laughs> oh, personalised gaps. Yeah. You've you really gaps. just got to personalise it for no, what suits you. I like you. quirky gaps. Yeah. yeah. It depends we need to bring what, out a quirky, quirky gaps cookbook. Okay, yeah, but, that How does that work when everyone's different? <laughs> well, they can be quirky in their own way. Yeah, but how do you write them a cookbook? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You say... This, this ingredient, if you can have it, and this can, ingredient, if you can have it, yeah. otherwise you have, have this. Lot of and, yeah. uh, you have five options Who for everything. Who invited you? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I have always been the type of person that in my recipes I'll write, like, I, I can easily do five substitutions for each ingredient. And um, my friends used to go, ah, this is so overwhelming. Stop doing that when I'd write recipes out for them. I'm like, but then you've got so many options. And they're like, yes, but I just want to know how to make it exactly. I'm like, yeah. fine then. So when I did my cookbook, 
I was told only two substitutions are allowed for an ingredient, like as in one more substitution for an ingredient. You can't have three, four, five. I was like, what? <laughs> so that was very difficult for me. <laughs> okay, that's off topic anyway. Um, okay. So, yes, we're still working on all that and going pretty well. I do find I have to hold the kids back from the fruit because especially my oldest son will go a bit crazy with it and then he'll end up with with like a snotty nose and stuff. And so that's one thing we've noticed with him. It's just interesting to see how different kids are reacting to different things or not reacting. But Isaac's doing really well and we're going to actually get him onto our next podcast. So that'll be fun to get his story from the lips of a kid. I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait to hear what he's going to want to say to other kids his own age. Well, he, he really does you know, have a heart that wants to help people. And the other day, some little girls that have been struggling with gaps, their mum contacted me and she said, oh, they're having such a hard time. They don't even want to eat and they're hardly eating anything on the first few weeks of gaps. And and I said, well, I'll get Isaac to write to them and explain some of the things that he really liked in the first couple of weeks of gaps. And then we decided to just make it a video. So we did a little video for them and sent it. And apparently the little girls just watched it and watched it and took notes and started <laughs> trying some of the things that he said. And his, their mum's so happy because now they're trying new things. They're eating like horses now, five weeks in. And it's just yeah. so encouraging. Like it, a lot of times if a kid hears it from a kid, it's a whole different story than hearing it from an adult. It's a bit Absolutely. like, it's a bit like a man hearing it from a doctor or something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. So is Isaac going to put that up on his little YouTube channel? I don't know. I'll have to ask him. You should. Or we'll ask him. When we've got him on, we'll ask him because that would just be an an amazing resource for parents to be able to direct their kids to his little YouTube channel to see what it's like and what it feels like through, you know, like through his eyes and in his words. Yeah, that is a good idea. And he wants to do another one because we only talked about the first couple of weeks of gaps. So he needs to talk about a bit further now. Oh, bless him. Yeah. All right. On right. to Fats. Yes, on well, to Fats. Be, well, before we introduce Fats, mm-hmm. like, I'd be interested to know how Joe's going with – because one of the things about the GAPS diet that we actually talked about the last time I was on the show mm-hmm. was about sort of being fat adapted, which mm-hmm. means mm-hmm. using fats as a energy source uh, instead of sugar. Yes. And it's quite difficult to sort of get into the ketogenic fat burning zone mm-hmm. if you've got – a lot of fruit in your diet, like you said yes. before. If you, if you do eat too much fruit, you end up with basically stopping that yeah. fat process and you end up with sort of no energy potentially if you're eating only a little bit of fruit but it's enough that you're not also burning fats. You probably end up in a worse place than you know, end well, up having no energy at all. So I'm just interested to know how you're going with that It's funny you balance. say that because I went through a stage in the last week or so where I didn't have any energy till like lunchtime and I thought – Obviously, I'm not doing very well with this fat thing. So I think I had brought, not that I'm eating a lot of fruit, but I guess the honey also comes into it with, you know, in your tea and now and then a a, like almond meal sort of cake or something with a bit of honey in it or Mm -hmm. um, raw cheesecake or something like that. (laughs) So probably I brought too many things in, whereas when we were first doing gaps, I was very strict. It was like one very small treat a day, if anything. Other than that, it was just all savoury. So I said to the kids, I think we're really going to have to cut back on the fruit because things Mm. are getting a bit out of hand. Um, You know, when you get onto full gaps, it's so easy to do that, to get back into your old. Mm. It just sort of um, sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's 
it's not quite as bad as obviously as we used to be with so much sweet stuff, but it's still probably too much. And so I did get very tired and I thought, okay, that could be what it is. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from you about fats today, Mark, because that will really help me. <laughs> sure. I mean, in my, my personal experience, because we, we, we went through the gaps and then we mm. brought a lot of fruits back in Okay. and we've been going back and forth on the levels of the amounts of honey or, or mm. a bit of maple syrup in things. And look, the only thing that settles right with me mm-hmm. is going back to a point of I have probably four or five blueberries in a day mm-hmm. and that is my only intake of wow. fruit or sugar or honey. Or any, I've just completely cut honey out because it's really not sitting well with me. Yeah. I get sort of you know, refluxy if I, eat, if I eat a teaspoon of honey. So wow. it's it, it, why it comes down to a personal thing. Yeah. And look, I've got an office job. I mean, I do a bit of natural movement when I can and things like that. But essentially, I don't need a huge amount of energy. I'm not a gym junkie that needs to replace their glycogen in their muscles or anything Mm. like that. So essentially, there's no real reason that you would need that amount of sugar. You know, any any sugar at all. Like, not not that you would anyway if you're fat adapted, but Mm. certainly, I, I just find that for me, that's where I end up settling and that's where I'm happiest. So. Well, I went through like the other morning, I was just feeling so exhausted and tired and just kind of like that low blood sugar feeling Mm -hmm. and fuzzy, you know, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to have to get through this day. I'm going to have to have a smoothie with banana in it and berries and I'm going to have to have, you know, a few more carby kind of things. So, you know, like pumpkin and stuff like that today just, and it did help, but I thought, Long term, that's probably not the solution. <laughs> might have been your back, no, gut bacteria talking, Joe. It might have been too. Yeah. <laughs> so I was sort of a bit clueless. I did, you know, when you just, you know, you've got to get a heap of work done. It's like I just need some energy. I have to do something right now. <laughs> Are you a fan of licorice tea? Because that's the thing that does it for me. Okay, really. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I have got licorice tea. I'm not a yeah. big fan of it, but I will drink it. It, because it's a sweet sort of a flavor, yeah, it you is. know, in an unusual sort of a way. And it's also uh, a stimulant, so yeah. in, a, in a natural way, again, not, not like a coffee or a, or a chocolate way, but it's like a caffeine way, but it mm. certainly um, gives you a bit of a pickup. Okay. So, mm. Is it just a licorice by itself or with the blend? Are there other herbs in there? Oh, mine? Sorry. Yeah. Mine's in licorice your... and peppermint. And oh, well, it's not straight like licorice. That. You'll be all right. Yeah, I'll be all right. It's, Come on. It's a nice one. <laughs> okay, I'll have that. Try that. Thank you. All okay, right. Mark, where so, would you like to start with fats? Yes, come on, Mark. <laughs> um, all right, so I think the first thing is to identify the different difference between the types of fats we're talking about, which are nutritious, yeah. and the types of fats that exist in the world that are man-made mm-hmm. and therefore are along the lines of a synthetic chemical, essentially, which is things that are that are made from plants that start off being toxic. Toxic, So something like a soy plant, which is, you know, almost an inedible plant and mm. certainly causes a lot of um, problems in your gut. The soybean oil is extracted at hugely high temperatures mm. and using, you know, I'm not exactly sure the process with soybean oil, but a lot of those types of yellow oils that are stable at room, at the room temperature are extracted using chemicals or extracted using super high heat, there, which, which means they're hydrogenated. And what, what that means is they turn into a trans fat and trans fats are, the, are, are basically a man-made thing. They don't really exist in any great amount in anything, any natural food sources or substances around around the world. What that means is our body 
has no idea what to do with it. So you put it in there and it's highly inflammatory because it's just not not a fuel source that it can do anything with because the chemical composition of the actual fat is not something that our body knows how to digest and how to use as energy. So it just lets it float around the bloodstream. And a lot of the issues that are associated with um, with the bad types of cholesterol are associated with those types of oils because you, they just float around. Your body can't really use them mm. as a as a fuel source. So the types of fats that I would consider that you want to try and avoid is any of those uh, things that come at the supermarket in a, in a clear bottle that are yellow color. So, so canola. Canola oil, sunflower oil, blend, blend, blended vegetable oil, cottonseed mm-hmm. oil. Yeah. Uh, soybean oil, as I said before. They don't solidify, do they? No, they, they don't solidify. And um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Sorry. It's Gabriel. Welcome, Gabriel. Hello, Gabriel. <laughs> um, yeah, so anything that's that's sort of been stabilized by being cooked at a, at a hugely high temperature mm. is the sort of thing that we're talking about. That's right. So I think. Did you mention um, rice bran oil? Well, yeah, rice yeah. bran or pretty much anything that you think, how did they get oil out of that? I know. We were talking about that on my chat group the other night. And it's like, yeah, but what about cold-pressed organic brown rice oil? It's like, well, there's still like 3% of fat in rice, so <laughs> you can cold-press yeah. all you like. You're not going to get much out of it. How much, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand How much that. oil is in the bran husk of a rice? I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I don't, I don't think very much. But anyway, yeah. so I mean, maybe we'll swap over now to talk about the types of, of good oils that we're talking about. Mm. So we're talking about, in terms of the plant-based oils, cold-pressed olive oil, so the, the, the mm. virgin olive oils. Yep. Um, coconut oil is obviously very good if it's, it's not hydrogenated, but most mm. of the ones that you buy at Health Food Shopper are not. They're very good. Um, obviously, avocados and nut oils mm-hmm. if they're cold-pressed. So you can get like macadamia nut oil and, and almond yeah. oil and all those sorts of oils that come out of nuts because they're quite an oily thing, like a yeah. macadamia nut's about Very 50% oily. fat, you yeah. know. But also eating any of those things, so avocados mm. or, or nuts or any of those things is also a good source of those oils and fats. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you go into your meat-based fats and pretty much any animal that's fed a natural diet and gets to run around in the sun is going to have a high quality fuel source in the fats that are in, in there with the meat. The only thing I'd say about that is that a lot of people eat a lot of extra meat to get a lot of extra fat because you usually get a little strip of fat on, on your yeah. steak. So you eat a lot more steak to get a lot more fats, but that's not really the way to do it. You really just want to be having an increase in the fats yeah. as an energy source and not an increase in the protein. So you yeah. still want only about 20% of your caloric intake from protein and not you know boost your protein up because mm. essentially your, your body can turn that protein into sugar anyway okay. and that's you'll end up back on sugar yeah <laughs> to do okay. that we just buy the fattier cuts of meat yeah, yeah i mean buy the fattier cuts of meat and one of the and one they're of the usually cheaper too anyway because yeah. no one wants them right yeah all the well, bits no it. one wants the well, offcuts and things i mean one of the things that we get either very cheaply or for free is the suet which is the yeah. um the fat that comes in and around the, the kidneys and mm-hmm. the organs of a cow. Yep. Now, I don't really want to share this with everyone because then it won't be cheap because everyone will want to go out and get some. But <clears throat> You'll have to get your order in with Jared early. I know, I know. <laughs> That's our butcher and our farmer. Well, don't um, say where he is. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I'm just but kidding. Essentially, that, what we do is then render that down and create a, um, a creamy tallow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were saying before about you've been trying to use ghee for your cooking um, oh, I don't use it too much. But, no, but yeah. uh, my, my, 
I assume that you're trying to bring in. You need something that you can sort of cook with that's mm. got a nice flavour and that sort of thing. Just use um, duck fat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so duck fat's great. And um, I do anything... have my own tallow as well. Oh, good. Yeah, yep. and so from chicken skins as well. Yeah, like that, I love those types that. of yeah, yeah. Especially so... eating the crunchy chicken skin bits afterwards. It's oh, like isn't that just a dream? <laughs> I was going to say like pork that. Crackling, so, isn't it? <laughs> should we? Okay. So for everyone else who doesn't know what we're talking about, yes. this is uber cool. Yes. So you do it go when the to... kids are in bed, so they don't get to share. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're a rat bag. I am. It's it's You're my poor children. It's my chocolate. <laughs> oh, okay. So you go to the butcher and you ask him for chicken skins. Now, when we're in Queensland, he would just have them frozen in, say, 250 gram blocks. And he never charges anything for those. Okay, well, and I haven't done that. That's a good idea. I just take it off one chicken and then... Are you serious? Yes, I'm... I've oh, been... no, I thought we were on the same page here. You are missing Okay, out. well, that's why I was eating it all myself, not because I was having a 250-gram block. Oh, well, okay, all right. Okay, cool. I just had so to explain that. You just go to the butcher and you just ask them for chicken skins and they'll look at you like you're crazy and they'll raise an eyebrow and, and whatever. But And they actually save the chicken skins because they actually use them when they make chicken sausages because that's what makes the chicken sausage taste uh. good and hold together. So you just put the chicken skins in the slow cooker and turn them on and then walk away. And when you come back, you've got this beautiful oil mm. in there and in the bottom, all the chicken skins have gone crunchy. So they're like little gibbledy crunchy things. They're like um, and you just, a bit crackling. of seasoning. Chicken yeah. crackling. Yeah, it's chicken crackling. Chicken it's chicken, chips. Chicken, chicken chips, chips or chicken yes. rinds. And, okay, so if you're not going to eat them, then they are the best dog treats ever. If you want to train a moose to jump through a hoop, you can – well, maybe not a moose because the moose doesn't <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? Like, you could get anyone to do anything for this chicken skin. Oh, yeah. Certainly you could get the kids exactly. to jump through oh, it. definitely. Yeah, we could. We could. We could definitely – we might even be able to train the kids to unpack the dishwasher. If Woo! We... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so where were we? The chicken the fats. We're... I'm off dreaming about chicken skin. Yes. Yeah, well, we, we were talking about all the different – yeah, sources ones, of, yeah. of of good fats, and um, obviously those are a mixture of the saturated fats yep. and the, um, the the monounsaturated fats. And the ones that you want to avoid are the polyunsaturated fats, which is all of those seed oil things that we talked about before. Yeah. Now, human adipose tissue, which is the fat tissue that that's living on your bo- that you grow on your body, mm-hmm. is essentially made up of a mixture of saturated fat and monounsaturated fat. So what you really want to do is try and get a mixture in your diet that equates to about half and half of those good fats. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, coconut oil is almost all saturated fat mm-hmm. and uh, olive oil is almost all monounsaturated fat. So you just mix the two together in 50-50 in your diet and then you've got about the, the right sort of fuel source yeah. that is the equivalent of what you would be doing if you were eating the fats off your body. Do you want to you know, explain what those not-so-good seed oils do to your body? Do you, are you able well, to do? Yeah, so apart from being you know, the, ones that are, the ones that are made man-made and you yeah. can't digest them or can't do anything with them, mm-hmm. apart from being essentially a chemical-type oil, mm-hmm. they're also highly inflammatory. So they're high in omega-6 and yeah. you really want to get a good ratio of omega-6 fats uh, and omega um, three fats, omega three fats, the ones you get in fish oils, you get in grass fed meat, um, that sort of thing, in krill oils, and all those sorts of things. But obviously, if you're having a diet that's high in those 
seed oils, you could be having a huge ratio of seed oil mm. against the omega-3 oils, so, which is the, the ones that are from, you know, you don't eat a huge amount of oil out of, a, out of a piece of salmon, but you could use quite a lot of canola oil or something. Leah used to cook with all those sorts of oils, yeah. so she'd put like a cup of the oil into a cake or something like that. Yeah. And you end up having quite a lot of that oil compared to the so it's an imbalance in the different types of oils, mm-hmm. and that and that's where inflammation comes from. And it's it's sort of linked with any of those arthritisy sort of things that are, that are inflammatory mm. uh, related. I don't know if you ever had any issues with that. I've got to tell you some, a, a story. Yeah, I went okay. to the chiropractor the other day. I have scoliosis, and the chiropractor said I need full X-rays so that we can see how this is going. And you know, I'm over. I'm 41 now. I'll just let you know that. And uh, <laughs> and he said when he looked at the X-rays, he said I'm really actually quite surprised because of the curvature of the spine. Usually by now, the the bones there are starting to degenerate. And he said yours are really healthy. And I said it's the diet. And he said, well, actually it is because you have. He knows what I'm on, what kind of diet I eat. And he said you have a very low inflammation kind of a diet. He said people that have a high inflammation diet have got a lot of problems there um, with the, the bones kind of degenerating and the swelling and soreness and stuff. He said, but yours is the perfect diet to keep that from happening. So I was like, yes, all that gelatin in the broths and all yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. So there you go. <laughs> that's exactly that's, right. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, any, any sort of inflammation is, is going to be made worse by those, those mm. seed oils, you know. So yeah, that, that's that's probably let's probably cover that question off. Um, mm. We were going to talk about how how fat is actually a preferred energy source, you know, for yeah. your body, and and it's probably like a little bit what you were what you were saying with Leah earlier about what was, I guess, conventional wisdom back in mm. our mothers or grandmothers' time when it was, you know, you, you've saved all the fats and you put that to the side and you use it in the cooking and that sort of thing. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago in our history that. Um, you know, only within the last hundred years, that fats were probably the primary source of energy for people. I mean, yeah. you don't even have to go back a long time before, before you. Yeah, you know, that was the primary no, source. Even the fifties, I think. Well, I, I was I was talking to my dad, and he, he you know, he's he's uh, he was born in nineteen thirty, so he's mm-hmm. got a bit of age to him now. And you know, they they might have had a loaf of bread between the family once a week. Wow. You know, it, it wasn't something because they had their own, you know, little farm and they, would have they had, had to their make own. It, I suppose too, you know, so it's not. Well, they, they had to they had to make the bread, and so yeah. that's what I'm saying. So on a Sunday, they might make a loaf of bread, you know, and, and it it would last them the week as a family. So the amount of kind of carbohydrate foods in a given week would not mm. have been anywhere near as high as, as what's available now. Yeah, and obviously the source of energy would have been like they had their own cows and they had their own chickens, so they were mm. eating. Eggs and because uh, that's a good source of omega threes as well. Eggs, mm-hmm. they're eating eggs and they were probably you know having a lot of dairy, but it's obviously grass fed and it's mm. obviously organic because there, <laughs> yeah. there was their own cows and things. Yeah, and uh, and yes, and obviously they they would actually um, eat the animals as well and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So living that lifestyle, which was basically a common lifestyle not that long ago, you know, mm. within a couple of generations back, was essentially a fat burning diet. Yeah. Um, and it just, it's, you'd have to say, well, how does it come about that in a couple of generations, all of a sudden, fat is a demonized thing? I know it's sort mm. of coming, as you said, back around now and people are starting to realize that mm. it's not. But Some people, not everyone. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's still a misconception and, yeah. and we've been doing a lot of reading and, and 
trying to understand where this misconception came from. And it all seems to lead back to um, the 1950s when there was increase in heart disease. Mm -hmm. And there was a couple of different schools of thought. There was one school of thought that it was related to sugar. Yeah. And there was another school of thought that it was related to saturated fat in the diet. Hmm. Now, it doesn't make a lot of sense that we'd been eating saturated fat for pretty much our entire existence and all of a sudden it was a problem, Hmm. but sugar was a new thing and it couldn't possibly be the cause. But in the end, the argument that saturated fats were the cause of heart disease won out Hmm. and it was a guy named Ansel Keys, but it sort of turned out that a lot of the stuff that he came up with has been well, it's not been ever been proven again, and it's actually been discredited to some extent. So, yeah. it's just amazing that the perception of so many people was was swayed by a guy that dodged up some of his science. You know, yeah, I've seen a, a <laughs> like a clip on a YouTube clip or something. It was um, with a guy talking about it and showing the the graph that he used, and he didn't plot some countries in because they yeah. didn't fit with his thesis or theory or whatever. Yeah. So and he it was, just left it was, those countries out. <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was a correlation study yeah, between countries that ate fats in certain quantities and their heart disease levels. Yeah. And he did it on a whole bunch of countries, but then he just narrowed down the results so that it looked like some sort of line on the data. And yeah. as, as, but when you plotted all the results, it didn't really no. give you any no. indication. And it probably had no, you know, we're talking about all the different types of fats and I'm pretty sure exactly. it had no... Bearing. No consideration of what types of fats those mm. countries were eating, you know, because that would make a huge difference. Would. Yeah. So anyway, it's interesting that that's uh, – and the guys that were saying that it was sugar that was causing the problem, they were probably right. But, uh, yeah, they got poo-pooed. <laughs> well, they did, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, well, uh, all that's starting to change in Australia, though. Well, it is. Who's the Australian cricket team's doctor? Yeah. Oh, Yes. He's uh, on board, isn't he? Yes. He's really jumped forward and spoken up. Peter Bruckner. I actually saw him speak a few weeks ago and he was inspirational. He was an yeah. excellent speaker and he was explaining that he started doing a high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet for himself, mm-hmm. you know, not, not with his players but for himself. And he, I think he lost something like 12 kilos in the first couple of months, you know, because he was a doctor but he, he put on a bit of weight. Mm. And, he, and he sort of... Uh, the players started coming to him and saying, you know, what, what are you doing with yourself? You look amazing and, you know, got all this energy all of a sudden. And, and so one by one they'd come and ask him and apparently about half of them now um, in, the, in the Australian cricket team are working with him on a, on a high-fat, uh, basically low or no-carbohydrate diet. And one of the AFL teams for this year. Mm-hmm. One of the Melbourne teams. One of the Melbourne teams. Yeah. Their, their management have actually mandated that all of the players must go on a high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet for this year. Yeah, I think I so read that somewhere. It's, it's definitely changing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because um, it, it's wor- it works. What were you saying, Leah, about a cycling team or something? Oh, okay, cool. So we went to Low Carb Down Under. They, mm-hmm. toured, they have two meetups this year. And I went to one and Mark went to the other. And they got out Dr. Stephen Finney mm-hmm. um, from America. And he has spent, I think it was 1980 when he did his first research paper. And he took a whole heap of cyclists and he threw them into his program. He like keto adapted half of them. So he fat adapted them. He gave them, you know, fats for two weeks. So then they were, you know, charged and used to using fats as an energy source. And then he gave the other team um, some sugars. And he ran these guys, well, cycled these guys on, you know, some massive distance. They went for about four hours. Yeah. Yeah. 
So they ran, well, they, they cycled, and he proved, with that information, he was proving that there was longevity in the burning of fats than there was in sugars. Mm-hmm. And then he decided some years later that you, you know, like he decided to use it, he was going to use it on um, normal people, so more sedentary people because most of the studies are done on, on athletes and, and that, I mean, I'm not an athlete, yeah. so how does something affect me? So he grabbed people like me and did exactly the same thing. So he keto adapted some of them and then the others he fed a normal diet and then I think they even swapped over at some point and they tested the same people. Mm-hmm. Um but you can go and get the studies on on his website. So, you, like, we'll put the link at the bottom of the, you know, on the notes sort of section. But yeah, just the whole thought that you know normal people, you know, can do well on this diet as well as athletes and triathletes. Mm. That's that's crazy. That you know, like, instead of them carrying around the little gel packs with um, you know highly concentrated <laughs> sugars and stuff yeah. that they're squirting in. And oh, actually, Mark, who is that guy? Is it Tim Noakes? Tim Noakes. Yeah. He, he, was, he was actually known as the um, kind of the, the father of writing, like this book about running, you know, the law of running, yep. I think it's called something. Okay. And, and it was all about how to carb load and all this sort of stuff. Hmm. And but as well as other aspects of running, it's, it's kind of like apparently the, been the, the main catalyst yep. to uh, people learning about running for, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. He's now changed his tune and he actually. Because um, he was the one that invented the gel packs. Yeah, ah, he, was. he was the guy okay. that started the gel packs. Yeah, you, know, you need to do all these carbohydrate boosts every you every know. so many hours. You know, so they've got these little watches on yeah. that says you know every two hours you need to have another gel pack because it takes so many minutes for that gel pack to release into the system. So then it's all your energy and you don't have the spike and crash. Okay. So he's had to. He's actually come out and retracted all of his stuff and said I was wrong. Wow. And he's like fully over in uh, South Africa. And in South Africa, a diet like this is called banting. And it was named after, you know, like some sort of scientist that, you know, developed it in the 1900s. The, um, do you mean the carb loading diet or the... the no, fat, the, fat, the fat burning diet. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got, what is it? We've got low carb, high fat diet here and they call it banting over there. Oh, okay. But he, if you look at his site, you've got he's got all the recipes and all this information, and he's got his sad he's got this this story where it goes all the way back to this was my life and this is what I believed, and now, you know, you can just throw that in the bin. And I've mm. seen him speak, and he'd be sitting in his desk and telling you about this book, and it's he's written this massive book, and as he's talking to you, he's ripping the pages out one by one and throwing them away and saying this is rubbish. I was wrong. Wow. I have done bad things. <laughs> And just for a man, well, I love that a man can can admit he's wrong. Like exactly. Mark never, Mark's never wrong. <laughs> never ever ever oh, Mark. is Mark really? wrong. But just to see, I'm just like, oh hallelujah! I love this guy. Unless I'm wrong. <laughs> Unless I'm never wrong. wrong. <laughs> but you never admit that to me. Uh, the the interesting thing is, uh, one of my one of my favourite clips on YouTube. We're using YouTube as a reference a lot okay, tonight, yeah. but it's it's <laughs> um, it's a David Attenborough. It's, it's a David Attenborough thing on YouTube, and what he actually does is he commentates in his own way, the way he does, um, persistence hunting. Okay. Now, persistence hunting is what some of the world's tribes still do. Mm. It's, it's kind of a rare thing now, but it's certainly something that uh, a lot of hunter-gatherer tribes employed as a way of, of getting animals, basically, is before we used to hunt them, we used to run after them. Mm. You know? Before and so, we had spears. 
Um, yes, this is long before we had weapons. Before um, spears and boomerangs. So, so essentially, the and, and this video what? is actually him following a tribe that still does this. Wow. Um, they so basically, they don't have any weapon. They just catch it. These guys now have have a spear, okay. a small spear, you know, yep. but not anything that would be. So they they chase this massive animal with big horns on it, mm-hmm. and they just run after it, and they run after it for about eight hours, wow. and eventually the animal who you know if you think about an animal it it can't sweat like we can because it's covered in fur. Mm-hmm. It you know a lot of them have to pant to to perspire and they can't do that while they're running, yeah. and what ends up happening is their body just overheats and they die. Yeah. So this guy runs after this animal for eight hours and it just wow. falls over. And wow. then he walks up and puts his spear in it. You know, so the interesting thing about interesting thing about that is if you think about what he's doing, he's running for eight hours after an animal. <laughs> That's crazy. And he doesn't stop and, you know, grab a gel pack or <laughs> You know, need to stop at Macca's and get a burger or whatever it is. There's no fat snacks on the way. There's no there's no snacks on the way. And the guy, you know, probably has to carry the animal back after he's run after it for eight hours <laughs> too. You know? And and there's no once you once you're fat adapted, the what I was gonna get to with this is when once you're fat adapted and you can use fats out of your diet as an energy source, mm. the beauty of that is that you can also then start using the fat off your body as an energy source. Yeah. Now, even someone that's an athlete has plenty of remaining fat on their body. You know, they're going to be 6 or 8% sort of body fat at any given time. And so what it means is that you can, you know, whatever you're using up in your, you know, from your food, once that runs out, your body just seamlessly switches over to using its own fat stores as an energy source. In other words, and I need can- to eat lots of fat. Yeah, and, I don't and, have much spare. No, no, but e- even, even you would have enough to run yeah. down for eight hours, run an animal down for eight hours. Like sure. even someone that doesn't have... <laughs> That's confidence in you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to replenish it straight away afterwards, yeah. you know. But definitely it's interesting because a lot of athletes assume that they're going to have to carb load before they go and do some exercise, mm. especially long endurance type yeah. events. And then they've got to take carbohydrates, bananas, gel packs and things. You see them on the cycling events, yeah. always stuffing things into their face. and. So... Um, it's not necessary if you're fat adapted. So what can, would you do before and after if you're fat adapted? Anything? Well, nothing specific. I mean, obviously, you'd have a fat, fatty sort of a meal beforehand because you could use that energy first. Mm-hmm. But the reality is you're actually carrying little packs of fatty energy all over your body internally that it's mm. ready, ready there to go. Um, the thing you couldn't do is you couldn't be a sugar-burning animal, and you know, as, mm. as most people are, and then try and do an event and yeah. burn fats because your body wouldn't be adapted. And, and you yeah. know yourself what it was like to switch yeah. over. It Exhausting. wasn't. Yeah, it, it's, you don't have any energy in no. the switchover period because your body isn't getting one source and it hasn't adapted to the other source yet. Yeah. Can we um, mention, Mark, would you mind talking about the effects of fat in the brain as an energy source? Because that's a, that's a really important thing that, hmm. that you've noticed in your profession is going to work. And not having the spike in the crash and the, and the clarity that comes from that. So could you explain that, you know, I think with yeah. ketones and, and... Well, the amazing thing is you, your brain is essentially made entirely yeah. of fats. For all us sedentary people. You yeah. know, enough talking about the athletes of the world. Let's yeah, talk yeah. about the, the, the people like me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. So your brain obviously is made of fat so it's very important that you don't want to stop eating these good quality fats because that's the building blocks of your brain for starters. Mm. 
all of the, the, the things that make up your brain come from those good fats. But apart from that, the, the energy source, your, your brain uses a lot of energy. I'm not quite sure how much, but it's probably, you know, a fifth or a, or something of your body's complete energy source, especially when you're sitting down, would be coming out of your brain productivity. And you think, well, it obviously needs a lot of energy. What's it going to use? And there's two ways that your brain can work. One is off sugar in your blood, and the other one is off ketones, which are a, which are a product of your body using fats as an energy source. Yeah. And I've found that I get a lot more clarity in my work, in my brain function when I'm working off the ketones from the fat sources than when I was using sugar as an energy source. Okay. And the other thing is, of course, when I'm, when I'm working long hours or just basically concentrating for long periods of time, when you're using sugar as an energy source, it's very unreliable. So you'll, yeah, you'll, eat, you'll eat some and, and you'll get a real burst of energy and brain activity to go with it. And then you'll crash off the planet and, and then you have to go grab go a coffee. Sleep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, have, have a sleep. But if you're at work, you might grab a strong coffee and that kind yeah. of perks you up a bit more. And then you might eat something else sugary and or not sugary but carbohydrate or sugar. Mm. And that perks you up again. And you're on this constant cycle of being, you know, up for a little while and down for a little while and up for a little, And your work is kind of up, down, up, down. And you might yeah. be in a meeting half falling asleep and then, you know, you have to go for a walk around just to keep yourself awake. None of that's an issue for me anymore at, at my work um, just because the fat is a constant source of energy. And as I said before with the, uh, with the athletics stuff, if you run out of energy from what you've eaten in the, in the day, you just t- temporarily start chewing it off your body. Now, if you've got excess fat stores and you're trying to lose weight, then that, that process is excellent because you're just going to be u- using through all your spare fat stores and losing weight, mm. losing fat off your body. But if you're like me, it's more that I use it to get through periods of time and then I want to be putting the fat back on. It would be similar for you, I suspect, mm. is that you'd want to use the fats and then replenish them. Yeah. And, but it's more just a buffer system for yep. if you can't get the sort of meal that you want to get, you can, might, might want to go 18 hours without eating and it's not going to you know cause your brain fog or anything like that. So mm. um, it's, It might be an interesting topic to discuss with your upcoming overseas trip, actually. Yeah. You know, when, when you're flying or something like that and you can't get anything but airline food, mm-hmm. um, being able to fast and use fat off your body is pretty handy. Yeah. I need to know some practical ideas. You, you, are you going to explain some, you know, what you eat in a day for us? <laughs> um, yeah, I sure can. So a typical day for me is, is get up in the morning and eat breakfast. Now, Leah's a fantastic breakfast cook. I tend to do the weekend shifts, but mm-hmm. um, Leah tends to do the weekday shifts, and it's a fairly similar breakfast. Oh, it's very competitive because we both like to see how many different sources of fat we can get on the <laughs> breakfast plate. So. I, I, can, I can get seven. Whoa. All right, show me. Count me your seven. Lay it out on the table. Okay. So we have we usually have bacon in the morning. Yeah. So there's the, the, the fat off the bacon and obviously there's the eggs and there's the fat in the eggs. Mm-hmm. And you cook I, them in, in fat obviously too. We, we cook them in fat. Um, yep. Coconut oil essentially yep. is what everything's cooked in. Yeah. And then so that's the third one. And then the fourth one would be I always pour olive oil over everything oh, okay. uh, uh, before I eat it. Okay. And we also make seed crackers. Yep. And we keep the temperature of the oven low when we make seed crackers, so it's more like a dehydrated seed yep. cracker than a than a baked one. Yep. And that keeps the oils in their natural form, so in the mm-hmm. seeds. So a lot of the seeds actually have omega three. So that's that's five types. Mm-hmm. Um, avocado. 
Oh, and avocado, of course. Well, you saved yeah, it. Yeah, saved me. Definitely, <laughs> definitely avocado. And there's Sorry, be, yeah. I'm trying to think what the what the fifth, what the seventh one was. Oh, if you can't remember, I'm not telling you. Yeah. <laughs> you oh dear, fell short. <laughs> but but I mean that that's a typical breakfast, and we'll always have um, mushrooms, and we'll have salad. So we usually have the olive oil on the salad mm-hmm. um, and it's usually got herbs through the salad to make a bit of flavor and we usually have onions and so it's it's a big sort of cook up of, yeah. of food. Mm-hmm. So then I'll, I'll eat that and then... Well, I'll... I just find that if I feed Mark really, really well in at breakfast time, then I don't have to worry about him at lunch yeah. and I don't have to pack a lunch then or he doesn't have to worry about giving himself the time to eat it. So he's quite happy to leave the house with an avocado and a little bit of salt to have on his avocado yep. and then he's not back in the kitchen or having anything to eat until dinner time. Well, um, I usually don't eat so anything during the day. Yes, it takes time in the morning to do that. but Saving time back, overall. <laughs> we're saving time overall. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So yeah. it, brings, it brings up a good point, though, that if your body's not digesting properly, you are going to probably struggle with fats initially. So, like, yeah. if your system's... See, that's one uh, of the problems I've had. I'll, I'll mention it just quickly. Um, so there's a post-workout smoothie that it, one of, you know, Pete Evans' friend, Trainer Luke, yeah. he's got this post-workout smoothie, which is absolutely amazingly delicious, and it's got avocado and raw egg and coconut cream and almond milk, and it's got, like, all these, you know, coconut oil, I think. It's got all these zillions of, you know, fats and things in it, and um tastes amazing, but yeah. the first time I had it, it just went straight through me. <laughs> okay, okay. So, <laughs> just to um, give you too but, much information there, but, yeah. No. No, that's cool. Thanks for sharing. I that's love okay. that you share so openly. Yeah. You did, okay. Sorry, did you make the coconut cream? Yeah. Well, I can't even remember. I probably did. I usually do, but I might not oh. have. Because <laughs> well, if, I, if I eat the coconut cream that has guar gum in it, I have the ah. same. Mm. Okay. Yeah. But I've had a couple of times like that where I've had pains in the belly and when I've really had a lot of fat and the naturopath said to me she thinks that my gallbladder and okay. liver yeah. Uh, well, I was just—I was going to mention that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so our livers produce bile, mm-hmm. and our gallbladders store the bile. Yeah. And I think, if I remember correctly, I think you actually need fats to actually produce bile to begin with. So mm-hmm. you need fat in your diet in order to produce the bile. So then it's stored in the gallbladder. So then it's there for when you need it. Mm-hmm. So if you're a person that's been on a um, carbohydrate or a sugar-based diet for a period of time and you haven't been having those fats and you've been having the fat-free yogurt and the fat-free this and, and all that, you know, like that dogma that comes with yeah. that particular type of, of eating which we believed and held true for such a long time. If you're still doing that, then your liver hasn't been producing and doing what it's supposed to do on the levels it's supposed to do mm-hmm. and it's not used to doing that. So. For the for the biggest part of it, getting the liver and getting the gallbladder back working online again would be the most important thing for you. Yeah. And one of those things is increasing the, the amount of bitters. So the bitter foods that you wow. have in your diet, they're the okay. you know, like they trigger those juices and those those all those other things. Bile salts. Bile salts, that's it. Thank you. So you can have um you can go and get ox bile capsules, you can get hydrochloric acid capsules or whatever they are from the, the naturopath. That's not mm-hmm. my department being a health coach. But I can suggest that you can get different teas to help oh. produce and increase the amount of bile production going on. So teas that are bitter, so I think I've spoken to you about do you remember I mentioned one called whorehound? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The one that tastes like hot earwax. Great. Yeah, okay. I'm dying to try You're it. You're dying to have that. Well, <laughs> That's why I rushed out and bought bitter. it. <laughs> it is extremely bitter. Mm. Um, and I'm not used to, well, I'm getting used to having those, those, those bitter things in my diet because most of our diet, most of our palate, most of our food, it, I mean, we're looking for the, the salty and we're looking for the sugary and we're looking for those other things. And, you know, like there aren't that many things in our common foods that we would identify as having bitter that, that we'd actually enjoy eating. Mm. Um, Mark came home from the markets the other day and he came home with some amaranth. Mm-hmm. Um, so not the little seed thing. He actually came home with the leafy greens. The herbs, okay, yeah. The herbs, they were extremely bitter. Wow. Uh, so anything that stirs that sort of taste in your mouth. Well, even something like rocket is a bit more rocket, palatable. Yeah. Yeah. Or dandelion greens. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum would know all about that. <laughs> yeah, so those those sorts of things. You okay, can have yeah. it, oh, you know, chamomile, I think, to some point as well. So having that as a tea might be more palatable okay. for some people. Um, and then also you, you can buy like ready-made bile salts and, and bitters and things like that to also, yeah. you know, detox the liver and get everything online. I've never done any of those things before mm-hmm. because I haven't needed to because my diet's always been pretty fatty. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, if you just go into, you know, any whole food store, you know, like all those things are at your, your fingertips and you don't necessarily yeah. need to speak to a, a naturopath, although if you've got one on hand, that's mm-hmm. that's a brilliant thing to do. Mm. Um but, yeah, you just use, you know, like in, in instinct and go in there and read the back of the labels and because you can identify whether you're processing fats or not. Mm. We know that Gabriel doesn't process fats particularly well and we've got some homeopathic drops that we use with him just to get his, his stomach working properly. And I know that because Gabriel, growing up in an autism family, you're checking the poo, you're checking how many times yeah, he goes yeah. to the toilet and that's, that's what we did for such a long time. So at five and a half, he's still leaving his poo in the bowl. So uh, it's always a joy to go back to the, you're just busting out of the toilet and you're like, oh, I've got to flush and clean it first. Aww. Like the mothers out there would know exactly what I'm saying. Yes. It drives you insane. But at the same time, I always notice whether or not he's digesting the fats because, yeah. you know, like sometimes there's the fats in on this oil slick on the um, the water itself. I know that, you know, like it's a bit gross talking about that. But that's, but a, that's helpful to know. That. Yeah. Well, you know, if there's no problem in going to the toilet and having a bit of a look down. It's a good diagnostic tool, essentially. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Bristol it is poo chart. Yeah, well, that's, oh, I love the Bristol poo chart. How come all conversations end up I on don't poo? know. <laughs> Every podcast. It's you, Leah. Um, yeah, obviously, one of the other <laughs> oh, wait things, a minute, I we're, we're talking about fat adaption and, and your body getting ready to actually digest the fats. Yeah. But the, the bile that digests the fats, so bile is the thing that your liver excretes out of your gallbladder to digest and break down the fats um, and that is actually made from fats and cholesterol. Yeah. So if you don't have the fats in your system, you can't make the stuff that's required to digest them. Oh, wow. But everyone else, Mark had to step out of the room because Gabriel, well, Mark, we've just covered that. That's okay. Sorry. <laughs> you got sprung, sweetie. <laughs> had to step out of the room because Gabriel was being a pain in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was being a but I'm glad you brought that up. Punctuating the importance of having bile and and uh, bitters in your diet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't good. sure if you'd covered the gallbladder thing. I know, but it's important. Have you spoken about because a lot of people have their gallbladder removed? Have you spoken about no, what those people like that they need to really like, see a natural path about? My mum has had her gallbladder removed. Oh, what so, do you do then? Well, I haven't. I know she struggles with that and struggles with her energy. But if you're not producing it, like. She's obviously still producing bile in the liver, but it's not stored ready to use. So 
preparing the body before the meal, so being more mindful, making sure you're seeing the meal and smelling the meal and appreciating it so you're actually starting to produce all those those acids and things like that to break down. Okay. But, yeah, definitely increasing the amount of bitters in the diet in order to, to And that apple those. cider vinegar is good for that as well. Yeah, very true, very true. So, yes. Mm. So what about what does your dinner look like then if you don't really have much for lunch except for maybe avocado? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I usually take an avocado because if Just I'm – in case. If, if I need something to eat, it's there. I always I'm, take I, one with me on the plane wherever yeah. I go. I always have an avocado in my handbag. <laughs> yeah, and I, but I, I took one today and I didn't get hungry, so it's still sitting yeah. on my desk. And if I get hungry tomorrow, I'll eat it, you know. Yeah, that's right. Um, but so essentially get home and I play with the kids usually. It's not like I get home and I'm, you know, Starving. breaking the door down to, to, to eat something. I'm starting to get a bit hungry, you know. Yeah. And so usually we'll have some sort of – like some sort of meat which will have the the fats on it. So I mean, my absolute favourite is we get these lamb rump steaks that are sort of mm, maybe aren't a, they quarter, amazing? a quarter of them is fat and the rest is is oh. meat and it's it's amazingly it does them in the oven. Yeah. And then usually we we have some roasted pumpkin that yeah. goes in the oven with that and mm-hmm. either a salad or some stir fried veggies. Uh, yeah. And again, Easy. I'll probably you know if it's if it's uh, that sort of a meal, I would generally put olive oil on top of it again before I ate it mm-hmm. and then often I'll lick the plate clean because I'm a bit, of, a bit of a pig <laughs> but I just, I just can't leave all those good fats on the plate and tip my olive oil down, you know, down the yeah. sink. So. Yeah. so now he's taught the kids to do that. <laughs> we don't go out to restaurants It must be much. so nice when you have visitors. Everyone's <laughs> licking their plates. <laughs> and, and, then, and then probably, you know, as an after-dinner thing with our tea, I, well, first of all, tea, you can actually sneak some fats into yeah. your tea. Coconut oil. Um, no, 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 no. no. Um, with the actual ingredients, if you get something that you put in the tea to make the tea, my, my way of making tea is just get a whole bunch of herbs and whatever's in the cupboard uh-huh. and put it together and make a bit of a blend. And one of the ones I've been making this week is I get cacao nibs mm-hmm. and put them in the teapot with some spearmint and I'm making like a yeah. chalk mint tea. i got to try that and i get off here. <laughs> yeah. So, so what happens is that the cacao nibs release the, the, the fats Ooh, and then because yeah. you know, we plunge it and you tip it in your cup and you've got this kind of oil slick on the top of your cup. I think it's fantastic. You wow. can get fats out of your tea. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like, you know, when you have coffee and it's got that fat yeah. on it. Do you, mm. get, do you stay awake from that though? It's not no. too strong? No, I, I mean, I only put half a teaspoon for the okay. two of us, you know, of oh, okay. cacao nibs. It's not really yeah, it's strong not tea, okay. you know. Mm. I uh, made the mistake just, of eating a handful of those Rapadura-covered chocolate cacao nibs once at 11 o'clock at night and I couldn't sleep for hours. You don't think it was the Rapadura? <laughs> well, it could have been, but I was, no, look, honestly, I was always, that was in my sugar days and that never bothered me. It was the cacao nibs. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, and like, then normally, what? like, Leah would make some unsweetened uh, chocolate, which is just the cacao butter with the cacao powder mixed together. Mm-hmm. So that, and that would, I'd have one of, one of those or two of those with, with my tea, so that's essentially what I would eat in a, in any given day, and wow, so that's an extra really, source of fats. It? Cacao butter is a really good source of, yeah. of plant fats as well, which I missed before. So that's another thing that when we were talking before about my reaction to that smoothie, that I had the same reaction when I made a heap of so-called white chocolate, which was basically melted cacao butter with a <laughs> little yeah. bit of honey and vanilla, and I poured it over frozen berries. And that yeah. did look good. It yeah, did. it was beautiful, but. I had a few pieces and, yeah, same reaction. So definitely need to work on the bile production. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, can we mention that, well, dairy is a problem for you, but it's not a, a problem for everybody else. No. And essentially when you are using dairy as a fat source, you know, the, your best 
sources for fat out of those things is sticking to, say, cream or using butter. Mm. If you are using dairy and using milk particularly, milk has still got its lactose, and lactose is a sugar. So anything ending in O-S-E, so fructose, fructose, maltose, dextrose, glucose, any of those things are essentially a sugar. So lactose being one of those. Mm. So if anyone wants to increase their amount of fats in their diet and cancel out the milk, you could always water down cream. So then you've got all the fats and use that instead of using milk. So in your coffee, have cream Mm. or, you know, like when we go out, people are having coconut oil or they're having butter in their coffee. That seems to be a really good delivery system as well. Um, just increase those fats and and give you that energy as well as obviously the stimulant. Not that I need stimulants. No. No No coffee for me. No, we haven't had coffee for a while. No. (laughs) No, I just don't need it. But, um, yeah, you need to be careful that when you're having um, those dairy dairy fats that some of them are still associated with having sugars in them. The the allergy response is generally related to the proteins that are there. And Mm. and so by making ghee... You clarify it and remove as much of that protein as yeah. you can. Yeah. But I think if you're highly sensitive to it, there's still going to be some proteins yeah. in there. You, you know, unless you went through some sort of, you know, mechanized process mm, to, to, to remove actually every remove it, bit. you're probably yeah. still going to have some left, and that's yeah. maybe why you're having the reaction to yeah. the ghee. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the, the pure butter fat itself. I know, I know it's not just the allergen. lactose for me because I've always reacted to cream as well, and yeah, yeah, you know, so. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's something Jesus. that we we don't we didn't bring we've tried to bring back in our diet, but we certainly haven't succeeded in bringing no. back. It's something that we try every now and then, and um, I think I probably did a little bit better on it last time than Leah did. But I mean, when I was a kid, I had really bad asthma, and uh, and milk and any sort of dairy product was a real trigger for me. Yeah. So it's so probably similar to you from an allergy point of view. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. It's it's just one of those things that if it was one of your allergy triggers, it's yeah. probably not going to come. Was the main one? Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was my main hope one on hope ever? <laughs> hey Joe, on yeah. that on that note, on you know of hoping to bring that back in <laughs> the other day. Okay, you know how much you love Peppy Sayer, yeah, and his butter. I saw that he's making ghee. Yes, I did see that. Did you see that? Yeah, maybe I should try his. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe you should just okay. Wait that, for a that's bit. That's the goal. That's, yeah, that's the, goal. the goal. You know, like in three years, you're going to try his his ghee Cultured and I love his butter. Yeah. I haven't tried it, so I don't know what I'm missing out on, and that's probably a good thing. (laughs) Yes, it's addictive. Um, Yeah. So did you have some snack ideas and recipe ideas for Okay. Well, my kids absolutely love when I get coconut butter, so Mm -hmm. I'm just putting coconut shred into my Thermomixy bowl and then just blending it until the oils release Mm -hmm. and it goes a little bit runny, and I've just been putting that in the chocolate cups. Yep. And the other day I put some, um, Samantha Bullock gave me some, one of her doTERRA oils. It was a peppermint mm. one. Oh, so I flavored so it with peppermint. So the kids love having those. I've always got the raw chocolate on hand, yep. um, your avocado mousses, yep. uh, any of those things. Avocado really. chocolate mousse, yeah. Avocado chocolate mousse. Mm. Um, yeah. What I love the, I when I do the coconut butter, I add a heap of coconut oil to it. So like... Let's see, 400 grams of coconut whizzed up and then another 200 grams of coconut oil. Yeah. And then pour that into a dish and then freeze it with the peppermint oil in it and then freeze that and then add, pour my raw chocolate over the top and freeze it again and then cut it up. That's good. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where's yeah. that recipe? Um, well, I did put it on my Facebook page not long ago and on Instagram, okay. but I haven't got it on my blog. So I'll have to go and stalk you. <laughs> yes. Well, I actually quite like because we've got these these um, seed crackers that I mentioned before, mm. and essentially the you can use the seed crackers, put some avocado or some avocado yeah. and tuna and things on there. So that's actually a good savoury snack. I it mean, is. as I said before, when, when you're digesting the fats properly and you're eating enough fats in your breakfast and dinner, you're probably not going to want to have a lot of snacks anyway. Like yeah. if, if if I that would be more like a meal replacement <laughs> than, yeah. a, than a than a snack, you know. But it, it would be more just those little bits and pieces Leah mentioned. But the I crackers think- are good too if you soak them in where, where you are, where, where we are at the moment. Obviously, the coconut oil goes into that clear liquid state. Yep. So what you do is you can spoon it onto the crackers as a liquid and then put it in the freezer and it solidifies inside oh. the crackers and it, it makes them pretty tasty. Okay, I'll have to try that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you can, if you, if you are eating a bit of honey, you can put a tiny bit of honey on the yeah. top or, or maybe you squash some blueberries on the top. That's what I mm. tend to do. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I'm going to try that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sort I- of gets in all the little gaps and things inside okay. the crackers, yeah. All right, is there, have we got one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I, there's an amazing hormone in your body. Actually, there's two amazing hormones in your body, and one is responsible for initiating a hunger response, and the other one is responsible for telling you that you've had enough to eat. When we have saturated fats, we have the ability to turn them. They're called ghrelin, Mm G-H-R-E-L-I-N. Ghrelin is the growly guy inside the tummy that makes you want to eat. And leptin is his little buddy that tells you to stop. So if you're eating, if you're a person and, well, for anyone out there that wants to try losing weight, and I think this is the reason, this is the number one reason why people are so successful when they go on to, if they've got an an abundance of of weight that they need to, to shift or to move, um, and they're just happy just doing it in their own time and letting their body chew through their fat stores. One of the, the things that they're doing, increasing the uh, amount of saturated fats that they're eating in their diet, it means that the ghrelin response, so the, the craving response that people are experiencing, the one that's driving them back to the fridge after you know experiencing like emotional stress or you know physical stress or any of those other things, by having the saturated fats or actually any kind of oils other than the, the toxic ones, just including those in the diet means that you're going to be more satiated. Mm. So you're not going to be driven to be grabbing those more sugary snacks and your body's going to stay in you know that fat-burning mode. So I had a lady, um, a friend of ours that, you know, saw that the AFL team had switched over to this, this new type of diet and she's given it a go and she posted pictures to me today and I just I cannot get over this is the first time that something has been so successful for her and this is the one thing that's that's helping her it's and her and her husband are doing it and you know all they're doing is bringing the fat in they haven't cut any of the other stuff out they haven't gone on a gaps diet they haven't mm. put in all the effort they've just brought in fats and just listen to their bodies and the types of fats that they do well on and it's in like an obscene difference. So if wow. there's anyone out there that's actually dri- driven to going on some sort of diet or checking something out, you know, like oh, I, I can't speak highly enough for, you know, just incorporating some of those nourishing foods mm. um, and the fats and the things that we've actually grown up with or the things we should have grown up with that our parents have, have yeah. thrived on. Mm-hmm. Um, so bringing that back in and giving that a go, like I'm just, I'm absolutely stoked for these pair. Yeah. I really am. 
It's, uh, it's, it's one of the things that when Leon are uh, coaching people, because we tend to coach in teams. Um, we do everything as a team. Yeah, yeah. we do. We do. Even corporate health, <laughs> the, we're a team. The, the, way, the way that um, that you've done this and attacked it, Joe, is quite special in, in the, the GAPS diet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite difficult, as you know, to just yeah. completely change everything. And especially for someone like you whose life revolves, like their, their job <laughs> revolves around food, it's quite yeah. hard to completely change. Yes. But um, for someone that really just wants to make slow and incremental changes, which is generally what we recommend for yeah. people. It's not just a complete yeah. change. It's got to be sustainable. Is, yeah. is more about just bringing extra fats in. So add an avocado to your diet and then mm-hmm. add an egg and then add... Nuts and seeds. Add some nuts and seeds, a handful of them. You know, rather than removing, like rather than focusing on, oh, I need to cut the carbs, yeah. it's, it should be more about focusing on what can I add in this week, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then just if you're continually adding in things, what will happen is that the other things will automatically out. drop away because yeah. of what Leah said about the, the fact that you're not hungry. You're yeah. too full to eat those things anyway yeah. and food doesn't come into it and without the spike and the crash, you've got no reason to go back to the fridge. So you just forget you're hungry. You just get on with your day yeah. and get on with what you're doing. You always make sure you've got like backup snacks in the fridge and, and those sorts of things but the things that you stock in the fridge – as long as they're from a, you know, like a natural fat base place, you know, like it's just, it's just total success all the way. Yeah. And as long as you're supporting yourself to, um, and you understand that you've got to increase your bile production and, and help the body transition to that thing, it's, it's not like ripping off a band-aid, it's not going cold turkey, we're not mm-hmm. talking about shocking your body into, you know, a completely different energy source, we're talking about just... As Mark said, just bringing those slow changes in and, and crowding out those other foods that we would normally rely on for emotional support or security. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a really good point. It's not so scary when you do it that way, you know, bringing things in slowly and changing slowly. I, even though it looks like, you know, it might sound like I changed quickly, I really didn't because for the last few years I've been going more and more <laughs> grain-free and more and more dairy-free and more and more sugar-free yep. and then... By the time I knew I needed to start GAPS, I was already having mostly grain-free and mostly dairy-free and very low sugars but not low enough, obviously. Um, so <laughs> then I went on to full GAPS, so it was a gradual thing. And then after yeah. a couple of months, I started intro GAPS. So it wasn't just an overnight black and white thing. No. And for a lot of people, it's just working out what that balance is. Yes. You know, I, um, my brother-in-law thought that you could only have one egg a week. Oh, wow. Because he was concerned about the fats and cholesterol. And now yet. he is hopping mad that he can have an egg every day if he wants. Or he can five. have an avocado <laughs> every day if he wants. You know, like yeah. that he's like brutally mad over that. That <laughs> he's missed out on that? he's he's like in his early thirties and he's missed out on eating all those eggs. Now he's gotta play catch up. <laughs> well, I used to cut all the fat off chicken and all the fat just about off bacon and you know, all the fat off steak and I, I was so particular about it when I was young, when I was yeah. just, you know, first married and what trying I, what to do think, everything right. What I think is ironic is that this is what we used to do as well, is you'd get a nice piece of steak and you mm-hmm. cut all the fat off it and then you oh. cook it in the seed oils. Oh. <laughs> and it but tastes it's awful denying. though because it's dry. You know, everyone <laughs> talks about that, you know, you're going on a diet and you're denying yourself certain yeah. things and you're restricting yourself. For so long, we've restricted ourselves from ourselves from one of the most amazing foods and yeah. in fats and the most delicious and the most well now that I don't have the sugars, I get a fat craving. It's kind of yeah. like 
right? I go to the fridge and it's like I, I can see there's blueberries and there's even a bit of kefir stuffed in the back of the fridge there and, and oh, look, there's I know that there's maple in the, in the cupboard if I'm really on the fang, but I'm looking for the fats. Yeah. And once you're burning that, that's what you start craving and it mm. just becomes so much more an easier option. Yeah, it lasts much longer. Yeah. That's so good. Well, thank you so much for all that. Did you have anything else you thought we should know there? Um, Mark, is there anything else? Well, we could we could go on, but I think we're we're pretty much well, uh, over running an out hour of time. There. <laughs> <laughs> over an hour. Yeah, just over. But if you've got anything else you desperately want to say, go ahead. No, no, I think I think that's covered the basics. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, he just um, wants another invitation to come back. Oh, again. we'll get you back, Mark. <laughs> I, lo- I, I, I love it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, well, um, we're going to get Isaac next time, so you might have to fight Isaac for it. He might like it too. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll be amazing. Uh, we can have the Isaac and Mark show. That's right. They might take <laughs> over though. <laughs> um, they both love Rubik's Cube. So oh, it will, wow. It will be, I know, it will be them doing a YouTube video and who can do it fastest and it will oh, be about I think Rubik's he'd, Cube. I think you'd definitely beat me, oh, Isaac, he's, he's from what down I hear. To, he's down to 20 seconds. What? That's amazing. That's amazing. That's like 20 seconds since I saw him just before Christmas. Yeah. Because he was like a minute 53. I timed him. Yeah. He's down to 20. Yeah. Oh, that kid's insane. I know he is. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Mark and Leah as well. That was really good. Uh, um, thank you very much. So yeah, that was hope, great. If there's any questions that anybody's got about all of that, please feel free to post your questions on Facebook on our pages. So Leah's page is Akesis Balance. So that – oh, hang on. Is that your page or your blog? That's my web page. Okay. So, um, but oh. I'm happy if they all go to you. <laughs> you can just tell me when I've got to okay. answer something. I'll, I'll, I'll tag you. Everyone. So everyone yeah. just contact Jo okay. with all of her queries. <laughs> And she can field them to me as required. <laughs> but you should check out Leah's page because it's awesome. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> Leah Follett is her Facebook page. Yeah. Okay, so um, we do want to ask you to do something really nice for us and go on iTunes and give us like a five-star rating <laughs> so that other people can find us as well. And we also would love for you to give us some feedback, Tell us other things that you'd like for us to cover, other topics. Um, if you've got any questions, go ahead and ask. But just keep on making those little changes. And I think that's what's important is to not get overwhelmed um, about where we are and where you are because obviously we, we're probably where you were at one time. Ah, I'm getting tongue-tied. <laughs> anyway, it t- took us a while to get here. So yeah. we're still going and I'm still on this journey and obviously learning heaps every day. But that's what life's all about so we don't want to be bored do we no so um thank you so much for that and everybody please come back next week because we'll have my little boy isaac here chatting about gaps from a kid's perspective (laughs) so um we hope to see you next week and thanks so much for listening check us out on um, the wellnesscouch.com and they have all sorts of podcasts on there that you can check out as well thanks everybody and thanks leah and mark and we'll Thank see you later. See you soon. Thanks very much. Okay, bye. Bye. Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. 2015 marks perhaps the most important event the Wellness Couch has ever conducted. We've had two sold-out wellness summits these last years, but honestly, nothing will come close to our first ever wellness breakthrough. 
your favourite wellness couch experts, the Up For A Chat girls, Quirky Cooking's Joe Whitten, Stu Hayes, Marcus Pierce, and of course the wellness guys, are all gathering in Dandong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the Wellness Breakthrough in February. For more information, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts. 